13 Sundays ago, I stood here and I asked the question, where is God in all of this? I'm sure you remember what was happening 13 weeks ago. All of our lives were being upended through the crisis of disease that landed on our shores. And we wondered together, where is God in all of this? And in God's timing, he gave us a scripture that day that profoundly answered the question. God reminded us through his word that God is exactly where he's supposed to be. He is seated on his throne, reigning above it all. But he's also right here in our midst. And now all these weeks later, we are faced with another crisis. The crisis of division. We faced the crisis of disease and all that it wrought, and we wondered, where is God in all of this? And I believe right now is a good time for us to ask that question again in the midst of this crisis, the crisis of division, deep, deep division that now has landed in our nation. Where is God in this? Where is God in our deep division? And by God's gracious timing, once again, we have a scripture today that profoundly answers the question for us, where is God in this? It's the story of the cleansing of the 10 lepers. It might seem like an unlikely source to answer the question, where is God in the midst of our division? But let's look at it together. When we look at Jesus in the gospels, what he was up to, what he was doing, what he said, we get a glimpse of what God is up to in our situation. So let's find out. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. He was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now, this is one of those verses you just usually kind of speed through it and get on to the real meat of the passage. Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, passing along between Samaria and Galilee. But I really sense the Holy Spirit illuminating that verse for us today. Why is it important? He's passing along between Samaria in Galilee, Samaria and Galilee were two regions full of people who were deeply, deeply divided. There's a whole reason why. There's a whole historical record, and even the biblical record describes why they were so divided, but it basically boils down to this. The people living in Galilee thought of themselves as the pure, holy, chosen people of God. And the people living in Samaria, in their eyes, were betrayers of God and of their own people because the Samaritans in their family lineage had previously been Jewish people, but then they had begun intermarrying with foreigners and they had begun worshiping foreign gods. This was the worst kind of betrayal for the folks living in Galilee because they were so offended. It was almost like a sibling rivalry. How could you do this to our God? And how could you do this to our people? So the tensions were very high between Galilee and Samaria. In fact, over the years, violence would occasionally erupt between the two groups. The division was, was ethnic. The division was religious. The division was political and historical. And it was nearly irreconcilable. Now, look at this verse with me once again. I think it's intentional. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Where is Jesus? Where is he? In this deeply divided place? He's right there in the midst of it. 
He's right there in the margin. He's right there on the borderline. He's between Samaria and Galilee. I believe this is important because, you know, the biblical record could have said anything right here. The story could have gone any way Jesus wanted it to. It could have said on his way to Jerusalem, he passed through Galilee as a way of affirming God's chosen people for their righteousness. Jesus could have floated above it and landed in Jerusalem as a way of saying, hey, look, I stay out of these divisions caused by humans. No, he's right there in the midst of it. And from that place, Jesus can minister to both sides. He can offer correction and he can offer compassion. And he often did. He often offered correction to the people who thought of themselves as pure and holy and righteous and chosen by God. And he often offered compassion to the people who were marginalized by them, the Samaritans. Jesus, from that position right between the two tribes, was able to look at the people on both sides and on both sides see that these are all people created in the image of God. There's Jesus right in the midst of human division, able to minister to, able to offer correction and compassion, and able to see the humanity, the image of God in both tribes. But he's not just in the midst of the human division here. He's actually on a mission, too. It says, on the way to Jerusalem. He was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. On the way to Jerusalem. On the way to the cross. On the way to the place where 2 Corinthians describes Jesus would do the work necessary to reconcile, to bring together all of humanity back to the Father and to provide the opportunity for reconciliation between people. Jesus, as he's passing along between this deep ethnic and religious and political division, is on his way to the cross where he would do the most profound, world-changing work of reconciling all that divides us, all that divides us from God the Father and all that divides us from one another. He would go to the cross where he would become marginalized, or he would become oppressed, or he would be dragged outside the city gates like a criminal, where he would die an unjust death. He would die the death of a criminal, though he was innocent. And so everywhere Jesus went in his, his profound work on the cross was this, was this effort to bring together what sin and evil had divided. Jesus himself said that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. There's a lot of stealing, killing, and destroying happening in our land right now. Jesus enters into the picture right in the midst of all the division, and he offers life. He offers it through the death that he died on the cross, his reconciling work. I believe that his death speaks to our current situation better than any political narrative that's out there right now. When I think about what happened to George Floyd, when I, when I, Focus in on that moment, that horrible day. 
my heart breaks. I'm full of sadness, grief, despair, anger, even a little bit of hopelessness, confusion. I want, I want to step in there and I want to stop it from happening. I want to stop the man whose knee is on his neck and I want to say, you're misunderstanding. That person under your knee has the image of God. And Jesus came. Jesus came to, to die on the cross to reconcile all that, that would divide us, whether it's race or political affiliation or background or family tree or ideology. Make it stop. This is why Jesus came and this is why Jesus died. This is why he was on his way to Jerusalem to finish the work necessary to reconcile us back to one another. When we hurt each other in this way, when we, when we allow Satan's work to win, stealing, killing, and destroying, we, we diminish the work of Christ on the cross. We need that work. We need that work to make sense of all that's happening in our world right now. It's why he came. Everywhere Jesus went, he was bringing things together that the world, that sin, that Satan had divided. Let's pick up the story in verse 12 to see more. As Jesus entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. See, Jesus saw these 10 lepers, and he saw, once again, another example of division. They were separated by disease. And so he, he cleansed them, and he told them to go see the priests so that they could be restored back into the fold. Everywhere he goes, he's doing this reconciling work, this work to bring people back together. And when he sees these people, it's interesting, he says they're, they're standing at a distance. They're separated. There they are. And so he cleanses them. Isn't this an amazing and timely text? <laughs> you have some people in the text who are separated by disease, other people in the text who are separated by division. This is a good text for the moment that we are in as a nation right now. We are separated by disease, we are separated by division, and here comes Jesus right into the midst of it all to offer his reconciling work. He sees all of us created in the image of God and he wants to bring together with sin and Satan and evil and the human heart and culture have divided. In fact, when we consider the, the, the work that Jesus began 2,000 years ago and continues to do, we see a, a picture actually of the church as it exists today. The church is a, is a profound example of a community of people who normally, according to the world standards, wouldn't be together. They wouldn't be together in one place. There's a number of things that I really miss over the last several weeks. I miss seeing you face to face. I miss serving communion with you and looking you in the eye. I miss talking with you in fellowship hour. I miss going to lunch with you. And I really miss worshiping. I miss worshiping especially on Sunday nights in Stanford 
because on Sunday nights in Stanford, I see a really clear depiction of a room full of people who would normally not be in the same room, but all united around praising Jesus. All united around praising Jesus. I look around that room, the Revolution Boxing Gym, where we worship, and I'm convinced that that room is the most diverse room in all of Fairfield County. I see black people, white people, Asian, Latino, men and women, young and old, rich and poor, homeless people, hedge fund managers, all blended together in one place. It's such a picture of the church, all united in Christ. In fact, it's reminiscent of Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, which says this, In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. That's what I see happening in our church. People who would normally not be in the same room, all gathered around praising God together. Praise is the appropriate response when we realize what Jesus accomplished for us. When he died that unjust death, when he was oppressed, when he was cast out, when he was doing the reconciling work to bring us back to the Father and to bring us back to one another, to conquer the plans and schemes of Satan and sin in this world, we realize he's worthy of our praise. In fact, that's the way the rest of this story goes with these lepers. Look with me at verse 15. One of them, it says, when he saw that he was healed by Jesus, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, I've heard this scripture preached and taught many, many, many times over the years. And most often, I've heard, I've heard it turned into basically a moralism. It basically that gives the takeaway of, are you thanking God? Are you thanking God enough for the good things he does for you? Be like the one, not like the other nine. And it becomes a moralism that we should thank God more. Are you thanking God enough? But really, look at the language with me again. It's not just about one leper who's the most outcast of all, the Samaritan, coming back and giving thanks to Jesus for the nice gift that he got. No, this man had been so outcast and he had been now brought back into the fold. He realizes Jesus is worthy of his praise. Look at the language with me. He saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. He's not just giving thanks, he's worshiping. He is worshiping. He is worshiping the one who has done the reconciling work to bring him back into the fold, into the family of God. A better question than, are you thanking God, is, is Jesus worthy of our praise? That's what this scripture is really all about. Is Jesus worthy of our praise? 
And what this leper discovered and what so many of us have discovered is that Jesus, in dying in our place and taking the oppression and injustice and unrighteousness and sin and evil all upon himself and dying an unjust death in our place and doing that work, finishing that work for us, and then rising again on the third day, conquering sin and death, we also would fall on our faces and worship and say, he is worthy. He is worthy. And that is what unites us in Christ, is realizing that we all have been marginalized by sin. We all have been cast out and separated from God and from one another. And in his work on the cross, he brings us all back together and he is worthy of our praise. You see, it's the appropriate response when we realize what he's done for us. But it also, it has a power to change our hearts. When we praise, when we fall on our face before him, when we realize what he's done for us, uniting us with the Father and with one another, it actually is the only thing that can offer true heart change. And it changes the world. When our hearts change, and then the world begins to change. Is there anybody out there who doesn't realize more today than we did a few weeks ago that our world needs change? There's a lot of people out there attempting various things change the world. We all recognize something's broken, something's not right. So there's a lot of people attempting various things to try to bring remedy to the situation. Some people think we got to vote in the right candidates in November, that'll fix something. Some people think we got to go uh, riot in the streets and burn down buildings. Maybe that'll change something. Other people think maybe if I just put enough hashtags and tweets out there, maybe that will change something. None of those things have the ability to change our hearts. But praise, praise changes our hearts. When we all gather, a diverse body of people, all made one, all united in Christ, our hearts change. And when our hearts change, our world can change. This is one of the reasons I love Sunday nights so much. It's because it changes my heart. I worship alongside people I normally wouldn't be around. And my heart gets realigned to God. I look around those people around me and I think, these are all people created in the image of God. These are all God's people. And he's done a reconciling work for all of us. And then on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, I want to roll up my sleeves. And I want to do the justice work and the healing work and the reconciling work because of the heart change I experience on Sunday. I don't know if you saw it, there was a video that went viral this past week. There's been a lot of videos going viral, but there's one that's my favorite. It's a group of people marching down the street and they're not calling out threats of violence. They're not calling out schemes to break things or even threats against people who don't look like them. No, they're doing something totally different. They're doing something totally unique. They're praising, they're worshiping. It must be a congregation or something led by the choir director, I don't know. They're walking down the street and they're singing a praise song actually that we sing here at Stanwich. Waymaker, Waymaker. 
promise keeper, miracle worker, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. That's the lyrics they're singing as they walk down the street. Waymaker, promise keeper, miracle worker, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And I saw this video of this congregation singing, praising as they went down the street. And I was so moved to tears. I thought, I know that song. I could sing that with you. I worship the same Jesus that you worship, the way maker, the promise keeper, the miracle worker, the light in the darkness. That's something we can unite around. Praise actually changes things. Praise combats the plans and schemes of the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life, and when we unite our voices and our hearts in praising him, our hearts change and we can change the world. It's our only hope in this broken and divided and separated world in which we live. So let's praise him. He's worthy. He is worthy. He's worthy of every praise, every praise. I want to leave you with um, just a one-minute clip of Sunday night worship in Stanford just so you can get a foretaste, a foretaste of actually where we're all headed, by the way. We're all headed into glory. We're all headed into eternity where we're all gonna be united around the throne in Revelation 7. It paints this picture of what our future is gonna look like where people from every nation, tribe, language, and tongue will be united around the throne of Jesus, praising him with one voice. What we experience on Sunday nights and in so many other worship settings is that glorious unity that can be only found in Christ, who's worthy of every praise.